Have you or your loved ones considered what song you want to be played at your funeral? Whether you want an Irish wake or a celebration of life? How about donating your organs or your body to science? Do your family members know where the deed to your house is? How about the passwords to your computer? Our latest guest on the show, Sally Hermy, wrote the book, Checklist for Family Survivors, a guide to practical and legal matters when someone you love dies. Join us for an enlightening and important conversation to help you navigate those crucial questions about putting a plan in place to help you and your loved ones navigate the most important transition of all. I will be drinking Wyoming Whiskey Double Cask. What about you? I would like to welcome Sally Hermy with me today on Bourbon with Beagle, a talk on the rocks. And we're actually going to talk about a really great subject for those who really don't know what to do when people pass away. So we'll start with that. And Sally's got a great book out that I want to plug. It's called Checklist for Family Survivors, A Guide to Practical Legal Matters When Someone You Love Dies. I do want to say how I found out about this book was we were on a Zoom call and I saw a poster on your door and I asked what it was and you said it was a book signing for this book. (laughs) And I went, oh my God, I did not know. And then I got it from Amazon and it's actually excellent. I've given it to two friends whose family members have passed away. So thank you so much for doing this, putting this together. So Sally, I always ask the same two questions of any of the guests. And what generation are you in? I am an absolute early baby boomer. I was born 10 months after my father returned from World War II. So I am a genuine early baby boomer. Well, good. Uh, I'm a baby boomer as well. So it's a nice generation to be from. Absolutely. What is your personal philosophy on aging, Sally? We're all going to be older every day. We get another day older. But as long as we accept the fact that there might be some changes in some of our speed or activities, the most important thing to do is to keep active, keep healthy, and keep connected. And that's what I've been trying to do. Great. Uh, and you've aged, aged well. We both have because we've been together for a few years. (laughs) We have aged well, absolutely. Well, one of the things is, uh, how did this book come about? Well, I had originally written Checklist for My Family. I see that it's backwards, but it is a checklist, same format as Checklist for Family Survivors, in which the individual can organize all their information and make sure that they're wishes are known for their family. Checklist for my for family survivors is kind of a what happens when a loved one has died and they have not pulled together all of the information that the family is going to need to know. So there's sort of a companion. Hopefully people have used checklists for my family, but if they haven't, Checklist for Family Survivors helps you gather all of that information that you need to know so that you can handle all of the nitty-gritty legal and personal issues that happen when someone dies. And when was the book written, Sally? When did you write the book? 
in uh, 2015. Oh, my gosh. And I just found out about it three months ago. So <laughs> tells you how up I am on that one to do that. Well, what do you think are some of the do you think uh, and I'm going back because we probably know the answer to this, but how many people do you think really plan for their loved ones taking over when they die? Not nearly enough. We certainly, all of us hear stories of families when someone has died, whether it's expected or not. And mm -hmm. things are just in a mess. They don't know passwords. They don't know what the individual's wishes were. They don't know where the bank accounts are or uh, where the life insurance policy is or uh, what benefits that they're going to be able to apply for as a survivor. So my purpose in writing both of these books is to encourage people not to leave a mess uh, for their, their family because uh, your family can't carry out your wishes if they don't know what they are. And exactly. Checklist for Family Survivors is a way to organize all that information that you may have to scrounge for. Right. So a lot of times uh, I find individuals are a little reluctant to, to tell their family about certain financial issues or personal issues such as health issues. So do you have any suggestions on how we might be able to overcome that? People are reluctant for to plan for the end of life for a number of reasons. One, they don't want to face the reality that they are uh, mortal. Others may be reluctant to become a burden on their family and not have them worry about how they're doing or what they're going to do. Others may just be, particularly I think those in our generation just don't really want, may not want uh, their family to be in their affairs. They want to continue as independent as if no end will ever come. So it's, how do you get around that? Um, family communication is really very important. And mm -hmm. I s would stress that it's no secret that you have many details about your life that need to be known by those who uh, come after you, whether it's your family history or where you bank. Obviously, there are, it, it's how to overcome it, just Bite the bullet, whether it's the older person who needs to be encouraged to talk about what their final wishes might be, right. or the family members who can say, we want to be sure that we carry out your wishes, uh, but sure. we can't do it if we don't know what you want, whether it's how you want your property distributed, uh, how you want family mementos to who you want them to go to or what kind of health care you want toward the end of life. 
I, one of the uh, friends of mine that I, I asked me and I handed, gave them the book actually went to their parents, said, look, we need to read this and you need to look at it because they're 92. Uh, there's, there were, you know, they're, they're uh, cognitive, very sharp, but they were going, we really need to know this stuff because it's, it's going to come one of these days. And they started doing that. So maybe just the book itself would be a great introduction into getting that information. That certainly was one of the purposes for writing this book, to stimulate that conversation so that the information becomes readily available at the fingertips of the individual. Again, if you don't know your loved one's wishes, you have a, you're very frustrated and may be anxious as to whether you are doing what they wanted you to do. Exactly. And sometimes you and I know this, that sometimes uh, family dynamics dictate that maybe a, a neutral third party is someone else step in and to assist it after death. Uh, in order to get those wishes now right. taken care yes. of. And that is, and, that is an option. It is. And um, I'm an elder law attorney. And I think, you know, elder law attorneys know that it's very good to have their clients, whatever reason they have uh, come in to see them, to talk about, you know, have, have you written a will? Have you written a healthcare power of attorney. Have you talked with your family about what you wish to do? But again, checklist for family survivors is the help that you need when that conversation may not have happened. One of the other things that I was very impressed, it actually has a CD of the forms in back of the book. And so that's a great tool for someone to do because you really don't have to use the book. You can use the forms that you Given, given them in the CD. So brilliant, just brilliant, Sally. Yes. And gathering the information for Checklists for Family Survivors is not necessarily something you just sit down and do. <laughs> you may right. add a little information here, get more information there. And the, the CD on the forms are a way to gather this bit of information, that bit of information, and then have it all together in one place. Good. So what type of individuals do you think would be really appropriate for this book? Family members, absolutely, don't want to talk to them. But elder law attorneys, I think this is, I actually um, got one an elder law attorney actually to purchase the book from Amazon, and they were kind of blown away with how much detail it has and how they could actually just give it to family members or members coming in. And it serves as a complete guide in layman's terms of how to, how to handle these issues upon death. So I think that that's one market that we could, that would be tapped into it. What are some others that you think besides family members, right. elder law attorneys? Oh, well, in addition to elder law attorneys, um, financial advisors, who are working with people to establish uh, their estate plan, plan how they're going to utilize their retirement savings. But there's more to getting someone's affairs in order after death than just the dollars. 
there's so many personal issues that also need to be contemplated and understood. Right. Do you, do you know whether the book's been utilized in law students in classes for elder law? I would hope so, but I have no way of, you know, tracking who's using it. Uh, but I have heard from guardians, as you and I both know a lot of those, that guardians have found it helpful in working with their their clients and the client's family in making plans. Of course, as we know, guardians don't really have any role after the individual has died, but they can certainly help the individual and the family be prepared for the end of life. Um, one of the things, and thank you for mentioning professional fiduciaries and guardians uh, of family, but one of the things I did find, Sally, if I had had this back in the day when I started, this would have helped me a whole lot understand the process because the process for getting conservator uh, and leading up to it is is some of the same process you do when uh, the person passes away. So I think that it would be a great tool for yes. uh, professional fiduciaries working with the uh, older population and conservatorships to, to have this book as well. But it is primarily intended to be a tool for those who have just recently had someone die. And right. that is... That population is somewhat hard to reach of as in a marketing sense, because in many instances, death is not necessarily expected or anticipated. So it may get into the hands of those who need it a little too late. So one of the questions I have, how does the book actually walk someone, a layperson, through the process? Well, it starts with the moment of death and the decisions that have to be made about the individual. Um, are they an or organ donor? Do they want to, had they ma made plans for their uh, body to be donated to uh, for medical research? Uh, what is going to happen uh, with the disposition of the body? Do they want to be cremated or what funeral home do they wish to use for handling of, of the body? These are all decisions that basically need to be made within hours after uh, notification of death. What are you going to do with the body? Then sort of the, the next steps are all of those decisions that need to be made about the funeral. Uh, or the memorial service, or where is it going to be? Is it going to be at the gravesite? Is it going to be in a place of worship? Is it going to be in a funeral home? What kind of service uh, would be appropriate for the individual? Uh, do they want an Irish wake or a celebration of life? Are there particular flowers that they want? Who would be participating? In the funeral ceremony, are there particular songs that the individual wishes? Are there who would be the honorary or actual pallbearers, if that is appropriate? Uh, what religious traditions do the individual want to, to have, whether they 
may have a Muslim tradition or a Jewish tradition or a Christian tradition. Uh, there, once the funeral is over, you need to know what to do about the body. If there are ashes, where will the ashes be scattered or will the ashes be buried? Uh, if there's going to be a, a full body burial, uh, where is the deed to the burial site? Where is the deed for the uh, the, the mausoleum where the ashes may, or a columbarium where the ashes may be placed? <laughs> and that's just really the first week. And those are all of the decisions that need to be made when when someone dies. And it's so difficult to make all those decisions if you're not prepared. Absolutely. And that's what my book helps the, you do, know what the choices are. Well, I think it's very well laid out. I mean, it, I, if you follow the chapters and the, the checklist, the to-do checklist, I think that gives you a very good picture of what is going to be needed as an overview. Uh, and then you go into detail in the chapters, which I think is great as well. I was just going to say, I try to explain why you need to know this information and where you can get it if you don't have it, and alternatives and options that may be available as you are making those decisions. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, the, the process seems a little overwhelming sometimes for folks, and I and working with this on a daily basis and for years, I tend to get asked these questions all the time. Um, but now I'm going to give them the book. So that's my key here to do this, is giving the book. But if someone is overwhelmed uh, through this process, do you have any suggestions about how their approach is and how maybe they would, would look at the overall process of dealing with, with a state and the individual? Aspect? Well, it can't be overwhelming, but if you have a good support network, whether it's other family members, you need to rely on those. And you also want to be sure that you don't sort of panic. It's always when someone has died, there obviously is that grief process. And then to have to be confronted with these sort of minutiae type details just up to the point of, of burial can be overwhelming. But just know that you are making decisions to the best of your ability and you are honoring your loved one um, through grace and not through anxiety or panic. Great advice uh, <clears throat> on that. And I think, too, one of the things that the book points out I, as well is that if you have a process and you have it documented, it should go great strides, make great strides not to be feeling overwhelmed or anxiety-ridden about the process. So I'm glad that uh, the book came about. Thank you. Um, one of the things that I think uh, that um, I wanted to talk about is how we utilize the book for the basics out there, but there are some really good little nuggets, I will say, 
about where to go for information and where to look for things and things I got out of it. So um, how did you come about finding all of the information uh, and pointing everyone to the right direction, like the website for the veterans? I saw that and went, oh, my gosh, I, I, it took me months to find out. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yes. how did you do all of that? I just did a lot of research and and I built on my uh, career in, as an elder law attorney, sort of recognizing where the information nuggets are and the most typical questions that people might have. Uh, but lots of online research. Uh, I probably researched on and off for over a year as I was figuring out what information do people most need to know? And I tried to make it simple for them to get the answers. And you did. You did an excellent job of that. So thank you. Uh, you should be very proud of yourself for, for placing or getting this book out. It's a great resource. So if the person hasn't completed uh, this process, do you think that this book would also assist if they haven't had a will, they didn't do uh, power of attorney for healthcare, they didn't do those things. Would this also be a good tool for someone that's just stepping in, not knowing the information and how to, to organize it and move forward? Yes. When the, fam when the family member doesn't know, has not been closely in close communication with the individual and, and really doesn't know who about them this walks them through well what do i need to know it's like right. you need to know if if the person was a veteran the key thing if you're going to apply for any of the myriad of possible benefits that come to the survivors as well as the the burial and the medallion on the tombstone and the flag and the other services that are available to a veteran, the, you can't get get it unless you have the DD-214. <laughs> and I talk about the DD-214, which is the official uh, discharge papers that all veterans from any branch of the service have. If you don't know where the, what the DD, what, if you don't have a copy of the DD-214, I tell you how to go online and to obtain one and the information that they're going to require that you give to them so that you can get access to um, a deceased vet veteran's uh, DD-214, which is the pass key for any of the benefits. And again, you're correct on that being the, the pass key for all those benefits. And, and you pointing out where to go and how to get it was a, a good resource for people that need those benefits for burial and other things. So, the book is, um, you have summed it up very, very well uh, with the to-do checklist. And so some of the things you've went through, do first things first, and you really do a great job of that as well. But what are maybe some of the things that you think are unique that people might not re be aware of with the rest of the, the checklist that we have that you done. I have a few, but. Okay, go ahead. 
Because I, <laughs> it's a little hard for me to make that analysis. Well, I think probably one of the thing is uh, applying for survivor benefits. And I think that's important to know. Yes. And one of the things I got on here was how to get copies of birth certificates, marriage license, divorce decrees. Sometimes we forget about that and how to utilize them. You mentioned the burial flag and the VA benefits and all of those, which are great. Compensation for survivor benefits, workman's comp, if that's something. I would have never thought about that uh, as being part of the individual's uh, process, the 401k, pension plans. I think all of those are great tools, whether they apply to this individual or not. But if they do, it's it's a great tool uh, to find out about how to do that. Right. So uh, you, if you know that there is, let's say, um, a 401k, what is the process to know whether there are any survivor benefits and how do you apply for them and what you could expect? what you need to know to make sure that any benefits, survivor benefits from whether it's Social Security or the VA or from retirement savings or from um, life insurance, you obviously want as a family member to get access to whatever is due to you. So, that's not one of the first things that you want to uh, start worrying about uh, when someone dies. But in the months afterwards, uh, you do need to figure out what the fi financial status of the family is going to be following uh, the death of a loved one. And if benefits are due to you, be sure that you know how to go about collecting them. Absolutely. And I think that you bring up the point very well that a lot of times, if it's one partner, husband, wife, spouse that passes away, the other one may get benefits from the passing of that individual. And so it's, it's kind of a dual role sometimes for the person in charge uh, after the death of one of the individuals. And so that's what I really appreciated is that you're looking for those benefits that might apply to the surviving, surprising partner or spouse. Right. The other ones has to do with the financial institutions, both banks and uh, investments and insurance policies, and all of that, which I think is probably good information to have. But you do things like savings bonds, which older generations routinely bought savings bonds, U.S. savings bonds, in that is not part of what we are used to today, but you still have to understand that they're there and they do have value. So I think that's great. And then you've got the health insurance benefits. And then if you have real property, you have to pay the debts and all of that good stuff. And then you also yeah. get getting ready for probate, which I thought was a great tool as well, because this is what you're going to need if you have to submit a will for probate or uh, intestate, which is passing without a will. And so it goes to the natural errors under statute, but state statute, but uh, to do that. So is there any other little nuggets in here that you, you have? Well, I think my 
sort of my favorite thing to talk about is the distribution of the uh, personal possessions. It's not the things right. of great value. It's not the bank accounts. It's not the house or the car. It's the stuff in the house, whether particularly when the loved one, let's say, is a, um, a parent who has, like my in-laws, who has lived in a large New England farmhouse with a three-story attached barn where they had been living for 40 years. And what do you do with all the stuff? And how do you, how, how do the survivors figure out what to do? And so I, I hope I give a number of suggestions as to how to go through the house, mm -hmm. how to keep peace in the family as the family members may or may not want certain items. What I used when my, my in-laws died, there were three surviving kids, my husband, a brother, and a sister. And the system, they really didn't know what they wanted. And so I handed out uh, stickers, um, color-coded stickers, those round little round stickers. And each child had a different colored sticker. And they drew straws as to who would place their stickers in the living room. And they could use as many or as few of the stickers for the things that they wanted in the living room. And then the next person put their stickers on and the next person put their stickers on. And then going into the dining room, the second person got first choice and could use their stickers. And whoever was first in the first room became last in the second room. And we went through the house and they could, after they'd place the stickers, they could trade or swap or change their mind and remove the sticker and save it for something later. It was kind of a fun event that, at least in our circumstances, um, removed any hard feelings about somebody getting more or less or getting this thing that they really wanted. That is not the only system to do it. That to avoid that, if the person uh, before their death had written out a letter of instruction, which would have said, I want um, my granddaughter to have the pearls and I want my grandson to have the fishing tackle and I want my next door neighbor to have anything they want out of my kitchen. Uh, the, that sort of thing uh, would have alleviated the problem, but we didn't have that kind of listing in my in-laws situation. So there needs to be an organized, planned, coordinated, agreed upon process among all of the, let's say the siblings or whoever the uh, logical beneficiaries would be to equitably distribute things. Um, otherwise, I have suggestions for all of the other ways that you uh, get rid of the stuff. You can 
have an estate auction. You can require that any family member who wants to purchase something out of the house, they have to bid for it along with the public. You can just donate everything you can to like Habitat for Humanity or have an antique dealer come through and bid on the things that have good resale value. There are lots of ways to uh, clean out the folks' house, but it's a big chore. It is. One of the interesting things I'm finding is we can't seem to give away with our clients China. Nobody wants China anymore because it doesn't go on the dishwasher. <laughs> so um, that has, that, that's one thing I'm just, you know, I'm going, you have this lovely China. It's very, it, it's not cheap. It's pretty expensive China. And nobody wants it because they can't put it in the dishwasher. So that, that's, I that's know. been one of the and, little things I've and, noticed over the years. Oh, how do you get rid of the China? And the sterling silver. I have place setting for 12 in this gorgeous silver pattern that I've accumulated over the years. And I insist that for every family occasion, we break it out and use it. But I'm not sure who wants to take responsibility for it after I pass. Exactly. Well, I can tell you every antique shop and thrift store I go into, the China is like 20 bucks for China. So you can get some good deals. Out right. There. Um, the personal property, I really appreciate that because it is a huge anxiety um, issue for some individuals that is over, over the person's uh, estate after they pass. In doing that, any on the personal pro on the real property, uh, any suggestions on how to the process to get that one if it needs to be sold on the market? Well, the first thing that you have to do is to find out how the property has been titled. Is it joint with anyone else? Is it in common? Who are the who are the are there any co-owners on the property? That begins the process in identifying whether anyone has automatically inherited the piece of real estate, uh, whether it's first home and second home, condominium. But if no one wants the house, it obviously, uh, and if no one else has any legal interest or in the, in the property, then the property, it's going to be up to the executor to put the property on the market and go just as you would sell any other property, then the proceeds from the sale of the house would be part of the estate that then would be distributed according to the terms of the will. Uh, the will may be a source of identity as to if the house is being bequeathed to a specific individual, then you've got to follow the document and the language, uh, either in the will or in the um, in the deed, as to what happens to the property uh, after one of the owners dies. Well, Sally, I want to thank you so much for your time uh, and knowledge, and uh, for writing the book. It was. Uh, it's been an awesome experience being able to, to utilize it uh, with family and friends. But I want to thank you so much. And uh, 
We'll con- I would like to have you back and continue discussion on some of these real property, personal property, and things like that, that I think we can give a, a good uh, overview of how to handle some of those things in administration. So I appreciate that. Thanks for tuning in to Bourbon with Beagle, presented by me, Gary Beagle. Be sure to subscribe to Bourbon with Beagle on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you are listening now. I would like to thank my producer, Dan Bruton of SignalCast, and my digital media and marketing specialist, Aaron Haley. Without them, Bourbon with Beagle would not be possible. Thank you.